Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. This is a a YouTube podcast, whatever we are, where we move through uh, different chunks of scripture. We follow the Come Follow Me curriculum, um, and we point out things in the scriptures that uh, we love and think that you uh, don't want to miss. So if you're new, uh, welcome. Uh, We are today doing our very last week of something we've been doing called the Summer of Heroes, where we focus throughout the summer on 44 different heroes throughout the Old Testament. Um, what It'd be so fun maybe if you want to put in the comments, who was your favorite? Oh, rank them. Number one. Number one is going to be Jesus, I'm just telling you. So really you're ranking for number two right now is what you are, <laughs> is what you're doing. Um, these are all news stories. So we had the original idea to do really short videos for each of them. But then as we got going, we realized, wait a second, these are stories that you know, need Our more background and, and, and we have to tell more stuff about them. So that didn't work out as planned, but hopefully you enjoyed that um, study throughout the summer. And now fall is coming. Kids are going back to school, football. And um, if you're a girl, pumpkin drinks, you know, or something. Pumpkin bread. <laughs> pumpkin <laughs> bread. <laughs> you know. Okay. Um, we are going to put this little guy on here. Now, in the timeline... This is so fun. Okay, we started right here, and we moved through chronologically kind of the main story. Well, we didn't put the Bible together. Someone else did. Okay, chronologically what happened, and then last week we got to Esther. And that's the end of the history of the Bible, and this would actually be a really good time (laughs) if you wanted to start at the beginning, take everything off, start at the beginning, and go all the way through and just remind yourself... Okay, this is the history of the Bible. Okay. There it is. This lesson that we're doing today um, is also kind of a, a story. It's kind of like a, a, a you know, um, but, and people argue about when it happened. But a lot of people agree that it happened right around this time of Abraham and Isaac. So back then, happened around the same time. Even though it's later in the Bible, chronologically, maybe way back here. And it's the story of Job. So that's where we decided to put that little piece is right here so that you know it happened way back here sometime um, compared to everybody else's story. It kind of stands alone by itself, independent. It doesn't interact much with the history or anything else going on. Um, no other recognizable characters are in, in this story. He comes from a, a place that's not even the land of Israel. So that's why a lot of people think it's before that land was promised you know, to him. Um, if you read the entire book, I don't know which chapters they say to read, but um, in the Come Follow Me, there's highlighted chapters. Um, But if you read the entire book, the whole thing is like a big, long poem. Um, That's what the book of Job is, is a huge poem. And so people study this book who are Bible nerds and like love it. And just like it's really apparently in Hebrew, really pretty um, poetry. So as you read it, you'll notice pretty quickly that it's written um, poetically and just a and lot kind of, of like imagery. Yeah. And like a story as let, you go through. Let me say this too. This is going to be a surprise to you. Cause I don't think you and I have ever talked about this before. Oh, surprise. surprise to you and everyone. Um, because a lot of times people get so worried about why were God and Satan 
talking about if Job could be destroyed, which is something you do think about. You're like, why, why would he do that? Yeah. And sometimes I love to read Job like this. This is just me. I don't know if anyone else has ever done this before. Maybe someone has, but when I read Job, this is where I like to start and end Job. This is going to be new to you. Are you okay. excited yeah, right now? Well, yeah, it's Job, so I love to the excitement's think, only so high. I love to think of us as if we are Job, which nobody wants to. Is anybody scared of Job besides me? Because you know how you ripped that one part of David out of your scriptures? Yeah. I wanted to rip the whole book of Job out of mine because <laughs> it scares me so bad because I don't want that to happen. But how I eventually reconciled that, so anyone who's me out there, is this. I like to think of it like this. It starts clear back in the very beginning of all of our histories that there was a time when God was like, here is the plan. And this is what the plan is going to look like. And um, you're going to go down and you're going to go to a place where there could be tornadoes and there could be all your children might die and all of your flocks might disappear. All of those things might happen. And you will have to consider who I am. You will have to consider my character. You will have to consider my attributes. You will have to learn how to get through that hard place. And Satan was like, they aren't going to make it. Consider, consider everyone. They won't make it through. I will tell you right now, they will not make it through. And then Job's story starts right then. And he goes through all of these chapters to 42. And then the reason why I think this might be a true idea is I love at the very end when it all ends and the Lord comes and he says, I'm going to bless you more at the end than I even did at the beginning, Mm. more in eternity than I did in mortality. I will bless you double. You will have a fullness when everything is said and done. You will have a fullness. I like to think of this as Job's story from pre-mortal through mortality into eternity. That's my own. But it makes the conversation at the beginning make so much more sense in my head if I think of it like that. Because I think that is what happened is God was like, you're going to go down. It's going to be hard. And and things might happen that were unexpected and that you, you didn't want. And mm. Satan was like, they won't make it through that. Yeah. And I love that God was like, I actually think they will. Yeah, that he sticks up for him. Yes. There's something that you really like in the beginning. Yeah. Now, if you don't know the story of Job, you're going to have to go listen to everything she just said at the end of the video. Okay, sorry. Because like, <laughs> no, I mean like if someone doesn't know, then they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about Yes, but right I'm hoping now. they're going to consider it as we go through. Oh, good, good. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah. So, because it actually does start off with this conversation that almost seems like a play a little bit. Yes. Like, When you read the conversation, it will rub you wrong. And that's just an indicator that you need to think about it a little bit differently. That there's something is happening here that's not probably a, you know, an actual conversation, you know, happening up in the heavens about Job, but maybe it's it's presenting ideas, bigger ideas, I think. And that's a really cool way to to read it. One thing that you want to know in um, verse one, that he's from the land of Oz. So that's fun. It's actually (laughs) us, but like, don't you? I just, we're one letter off from it being a really fun story. Um, But one thing you want to know about him in one is that he was an upright, um, whole 
person who loved and feared God and hated evil things. Like that's going to come into play as we move through this thing that you have to know what his character is like in verse one. Mm -hmm. And then you get an explanation of how good his life is, how much he has. He's actually really well known. He has a good reputation. He's really rich. He has a lot of kids, everything in the ancient world that would have um, been a symbol of prosperity and also everything in the ancient world that would have been a symbol of God's favor. Okay, that's going to be important that like people, even though not much has changed, (laughs) you know, but like there is a general mm, cultural idea. If people have lots of kids, God must love them. If they have lots of money, God must love them. If things are going really good in their life, then God must love them. That you just have to know is a general understanding of of people. So then it shifts to this scene up in the heavens where the sons of God in verse 6 come present themselves. And this adversary comes, Satan. And he says... Uh, <laughs> and that'd be Satan for everyone who doesn't speak that language. Um, Hebrew. Um, and he just says about Job, and he says that line, the Lord said unto Satan in verse 8, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. And I like to think that God does that about all of his kids, just so you know. Me too. Right? That he's just like, yes. he's just like, have you seen, have you seen my kid Jones? He is a guy. <laughs> he is such a, you know, and he's bragging about him. And, and the Satan says back, to him, he's like, well, of course he likes you because you've given him such a good life. That's the only reason that he likes you. And that's the only reason that he's worshiping and following you. If you gave him a crummy life, he would actually turn his back on you. So let's, uh, let's have a bet. Let's see if, if that'll, if that'll happen. And, and, um, then he says, okay, uh, let's do it. Now, one thing I think that it's teaching here in the conversation is when he says to him, like, you can, you can do this, um, uh, but he, but he also says, but you can't do this, this, and this. That he puts restrictions mm. on him. And even though I don't think There's the conversation bounds. is like a real life conversation, I do believe that there are bounds that the mm. Lord sets. You know, yeah. and so he comes, and all of these bad things, starting in verse thirteen, happen. All the kids um, die when the house collapses. All of his flocks are are slaughtered by um, by pirates or, you know, bad guys that come, I couldn't think of the word, um, that come in and everything just, all that was good in his life erased, like boom, in one day, all yes, gone. And you have to say all the things because you're like, what? How did that happen? So he first comes in, they're all eating and drinking in the house and a messenger comes and says, your oxen were plowing and the asses and they, these guys fell upon him, took him away. And I love this part. While he was yet speaking... The next guy comes and says, um, the bur- all the sheep got burned up and all the servants. E- everyone's been burned. And while Who he was... sheep, I don't know. Way. But while he was yet speaking, then the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and carried them away with all the servants and everything. And while he was yet speaking, that I love that part where it's like, it, and it boom, couldn't get worse, boom, but then boom, this. Boom, and it couldn't yeah. get worse, but then this. And then... In the middle of the conversation, there comes a great wind from the wilderness and smokes the four corners of the house and everyone in the house besides Job and his wife die. Die. Yeah. So you're like, whoa. Then chapter two, you go back to that conversation up in the heavens because Job's response is, and we'll come back to this verse in, in the end and talk about it more, but his first response is he, yeah, he rents his mantle, his clothes, um, he shaves his head and falls on the ground. All three of those are signs of mourning. Something horrible has happened, but he also worships. That's my favorite part. Right. Is it? He, he, felt, does, he shaves his head. He puts on his mourning clothes. He falls on the ground and 
worships. Yeah, think what you could put in there, and sobs, and rants, and whatever, and I just love, and worships. worships. Yeah. That is what he's, and that's that his li- character. That line you may know, naked came I out of my mother's womb. I had nothing when I was born, and I will go back with nothing, I guess. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away, but still, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's his, that's his initial response to all of this. And then there's this important foreshadowing that happens in 22 that becomes so important for the entire rest of the book. And in all of this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So that's important to hold on to and remember because it's going to play in as we keep going through. Okay, then chapter two comes and there's this, um, another conversation that happens up in there and, and the Lord says, see, he didn't, he didn't bail on me. And then the Satan says back to him, well, if you would, uh, uh, that's because like it was just external things, but if you inflicted him with like illness, he's like, whew, there is something about chronic illness that'll really cause someone to turn their back that all these other things won't. And so, um, he gets inflicted with these boils and like just this nasty skin diseases and he's horribly sick. And that, uh, and that is where y- you see in chapter two and it gets to that spot where he is just like, um, he's scratching himself with like pottery. I mean, he's just like, it's in this awful, awful place that he ends up in. So then what happens next? So there is Job's story. And we're going to talk about the first hero, not hero. That's what's going to happen right now. But in the beginning, heroes. Because in chapter 2, at the very end, Job has three friends who come. Verse uh, 11. Verse 11. And when they heard of all this evil, they came, everyone from his own place. And it's going to be Eliphaz, uh, Zophar. Who did I miss? Eliphaz and Bildad. Bildad. Um, They're all going to come. They made an appointment. They came. And I love when it says they came to mourn and to comfort him. And when they lifted up, when he lifted, when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, um, then they wept because I think they were like, "This is worse than we yeah, had heard." They didn't even recognize him when they yeah, saw him. Yeah, when they saw him, they didn't even recognize him. And then I love in thirteen, they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. And in this moment, those friends are heroes. We love that they come to mourn and comfort, that they just sit with him. They don't even talk. They just sit. And how powerful that is. Um, At the top of our journal, it says, how to sit with someone in grief. And that is the lesson we are going to learn from Job, is how can we be better at mourning with, at comforting, at living our covenant as a covenant member of this church? And how do we sit with someone in grief? So they do really good for seven days. For seven days, they get to be heroes. And then it all goes bad because um, he says in chapter four, and so this is going to be the first friend. We're going to look at the three friends. You'll see in the journal, it says what not to do. That is what is going to happen. And there's just three things that are listed here, but really the majority of this book is these three friends... um, giving their reasons and ideas as to why this actually happened, right? And that's the huge chunk of this really long book and then Job's responses with them. And so you will see a lot of the same stuff over and over and over again throughout this, but we kind of picked three different spots that we thought, oh, summarize some of what their reasoning is and actually what we think is foolish reasoning. 
you and, know, or their conclusions. Yes. Right. And, and we've simplified them yeah. for you. Um, if you go through and you'll read um, the Eli, ha- Eli Faz is going to go first and he takes several chapters and then Bildad is going to go next and he takes several chapters and um, each friend is going to go through. But in essence, if you were going to pull them out in their purest form, it would just be these three things. Um, first of all, your good isn't good enough. That is what the problem is. That's the first one. Yeah. 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 You're just not good enough. If you were better, the second friend says, in fact, if you were perfect, none of these bad things would have happened to you is what the second friend wants to say. And the third friend then on top of that wants to say, I think you are being punished for your weakness, for your sin. This is the problem. And also you probably should have worse. The more we're sitting here talking about this, um, you, you should have worse than this is what they want to say all the way through this. And that's why I love to go back to that at the very beginning when he was like, and in all this, Job sinned not. This is not because Job wasn't perfect. This isn't because he had sinned. This isn't because his good wasn't good enough. That's not what's happening. And his response is so interesting. Well, and I think it's kind of like this, this hasn't changed very much. This is a real, this is interesting to have such an old book of scripture, um, be reflective of, of current like thought processes about like why bad things are happening you know, to people because we use the same reasons, mm-hmm. right? Where we're just like, if, if my car breaks down, my initial thought sometimes is what have I done wrong? <laughs> As if that were a punishment for something that yes. you've done wrong, right? And, and we really live in this, right? sometimes have these same kind of thoughts that the friends have. And what if it's just mortality? What if we said clear in the pre-existence um, our father says, do you want to go down here? You cannot increase or progress unless you go down. Just so you, you've got to go, but Satan will be there. So you just have to know. And, and I have told him he can do all of these things to you within certain bounds. Right. That's true. You have to know that is true. And, and when you get down there, there could be cancer. There could be death. Uh, there could be accidents. There could be abuse. You are going to a place where all of those things could happen. And it is so interesting that sometimes we're like, well, it's because y- y- what are you not doing right? What lesson have you not learned? Yeah. What, you know, this, instead of being like what Job does, which I love Job's response is, this is just part of my mortality. What I do know is I chose to come to this place, a place where Satan would be. But I also know God. I know his character. And that's what's going to get me through. So if you look through these verses of Job's response, it's just several spots throughout the book that you can study those verses here in the journal where he tells the the people, uh, you're not very good. (laughs) You're you're bad physicians. You have really bad bedside manner, all of you (laughs) as friends. You're not very good comforters. You're speaking these things, that third one, 1710, with no wisdom. Like you don't know the end from the beginning, like God does. And you're making assumptions based off of only what it is that that you know. Closest friends are supposed to be those who kind of work through and think through this with you, not accuse, right? Um, you found no answer in 32.3, but you have just assumed that it was um, my fault. You've given no actual answer to any of those. But and, and you're meant to do what you did at the end of chapter two, give strength, sin, mourn, and comfort, not 
speculate and accuse. Right, and, and try and point out this is why this happened, and this is why this happened, and it's so interesting because there is one other friend. And I think we ought to just say, like, and we ought not do that to ourselves too. Yeah. I mean, there's some measure of That's you know, so good. like, um, man, why you know, why is my uh, my liver failing? It's like, oh, it's because you're you're drinking too much. You know, there are some cause and effect things right. that you could identify. Um, medically, but with God, I think it's, it's not a wise thing to make assumptions about why things are happening in our life and making assumptions about his character and, and, and then bad assumptions about ourselves. Right. Like, well, I must be unfavored. I must be not liked. I must not, you know, yes. but, but to get to the point where you're like, I actually chose mortality. Right. And this was part of that decision. And now how do I get through this? Well, that's a better question, yes. right? Yep. And um, so it's interesting because in chapter 32, we find out there is actually a fourth friend whose name is Elihu. And he is going to be um, our next hero. And it's so interesting to watch what he does because Joe, by the end, is mad at the three friends. Uh, he, and he kind of speaks his, I don't think you're right. He wants to say, and I love in verse four that it says, Eli, who waited until Job had spoken because all of them were older than he. I just love that. He's like, I'm just going to sit back and watch what is happening. And then when there was no answer in the mouth of any of the friends for what was happening, um, he is going to step into this situation. And I love as he steps in, he just talks about there is a spirit in man and in the inspiration of the almighty. And that is where understanding is going to come from. And that's what he's going to start teaching them. And so then we get to this part of the book, which is probably my favorite part of the book of Job, the lessons from the youngest, where he's going to show us what does it look like to sit in someone's grief? What does it look like to be a true friend? And I'm just going to run through each of these verses and give you ideas. And you might want to make a list as you go. But what is interesting is watching what Elihu does and, and what happens to Job because of a friend who is willing to sit in somebody's hard thing and talk about these. And and you jump in anywhere where you want to. But I love when he very first comes and he says in verse 6, 33, verse 6, he says, um, well, let me start before that. I say, I love that he says this, Job, I'm going to talk to you and I pray that I'm going to be able to help you and you'll be able to listen to my words. And, and this is what I want you to know. My words are coming from my heart. That is how I'm going to talk to you. And they're also coming from the spirit. That I'm not going to lean into my own knowledge. I'm not going to lean into any, what I think. I'm just going to try. not going to guess. Yeah. yeah. And speak to you from the spirit. And then I love when he says this in verse six, behold, I am according to your wish in God's stead. Um, I am formed out of the same clay. I love that he's almost like I've been sent by God. Uh, I'm here for God. I'm standing instead of God. He sent me. That is who I'm going to try and be. And I love that thought of just as you enter in to be like, I'm coming as God's witness, as God's angel. I'm coming as God's presence for you. And I'm only going to do what God actually tells me to do. And and that last line is so cool too, where he says, I'm also formed out of the clay, which is another way to say like, I'm also mortal like you are. I don't have all the answers 
either. Yeah. We're the, we're the same. We're going through this experience of mortality at the same time. Yep. But but what I know is you love God and I love God. So yeah. that's how we're going to approach this to begin with. And I love in verse 7 when he's like, my hand is not going to be heavy on you. So don't be nervous about me talking. I am not here to judge. That's not what I'm here to do. Um, and then we love when he says in verse 8, um, I have heard the voice of your words saying, I am clean. I am innocent. There's not iniquity in me. And I, I love that the first thing he does is like he listened and he listened to what Job said, and he listened to what was the hard thing, and he listened to everything that was happening. And, he, and he's like, I, I need you to know before I even start talking, I hear you. I hear the hard thing. I hear the doubt. I hear what you don't understand. I'm going to acknowledge that. And then in verse 12, the very first thing he does, does is he says this, I will answer you, God is greater than man. And I love that he's almost saying this. God is greater than this, Job. God is bigger. He is bigger than the cancer diagnosis. He is bigger than whatever abuse has happened in your life. He is bigger than the mental health problems you are struggling with. The God I know and the God you know is bigger than this. He is greater. He, he's going to get us through this. And I love that... Um, that is where he wants to start. And then you get down a couple more verses into 26 and he expresses like what his hope is in the whole thing too. He's just like, it's almost, first in 26 is invitation to pray. And he's like, and what you're going to discover is that God is actually favorable to you. In this prayer, we're going to figure out that he looks upon us and, and whether people have sinned or not, like though, he's like, push that aside. 28, he will deliver people's soul from the pit. He won't prevent them from going into the pit. That's mortality in and of itself. But he will deliver people from it. And in life will you see light. All these things, verse 29, worketh, worketh God oftentimes with man to, verse 30, bring back his soul from the pit to be enlightened with the light of the living. And he just expresses like, this is what, I don't know how we're going to get there. But this is who I know God is and what his intentions are with whatever's happening, you know, inside our lives. And you go over a couple of verses into, sorry, chapters into 35. Um, he says this, although thou sayest thou shalt not see him, because that's true sometimes. We don't really see where he's moving and, and working. Yeah, and this. especially in time of trial. Like you, you might not see his hand right now. Right, right. But he says this, but therefore trust thou in him. Yeah. Trust his heart. Right. Um, but that you know who he is, you know, he, even if we can't see him right now, you know who he is. And then I love his reminder to him at the end in 37 verse 14, hearken unto this Job. He tells him, this is what you have to do right now. If you can't see God's hand, you're going to trust his heart and then stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. I love that. He's like, this is what, this is what we're going to do right now. We're just going to stand still in this moment, in this hard thing, and we're going to look back. Where has God shown up before? Where are his tender mercies? Where have you seen him? Like, let's just remind ourselves who God is. And the awesome thing is that you're going to see that's what Job's been doing since the beginning. But his friend Elihu is, is just saying to him, this is it. This is what you have to do to get through. So I'm just going to read those again really quickly right now, that list of what to do. And in the journal, you'll see all of the verses that you need there. But first, 
come in, um, come from God, be sent by God into that story and don't be there to judge and make sure you listen and you, um, allow that person to just pour out all of those hard things, then testify. God is greater than this thing, whatever you are in, pray with them, remind them if they can't trust God's hand right now, if they can't see God's hand right now, they can trust his heart. And then to stand still and just look back, where has God been before? Let's just remember the character of God. Let's remember the attributes of God. Yeah. And also another way of considering the wondrous works of God happens right after this section. So God sends Elihu first. And then in chapter 38, um, then God shows up for a personal one-on-one conversation with Job. And these chapters are so awesome to read. You can read them here in the King James. They're so pretty. You might get another translation of the Bible, Mm -hmm. like the NIV or the ESV or the message, so that you kind of understand the poetry that's happening here. But the Lord takes Job through um, this um, almost like a cosmic uh, uh, tour, right? And he just like, this will give you just a hint of it where he just said in the beginning of 38, he was like, Job, I know you have a lot of questions and I know you've accused me of doing wrong because Job will waffle back and forth as his friends are talking to him. And he says, I just want to ask you some questions. Uh, 38, four, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Did you hang the stars? Where were you when I, when I, um, in, when I put the sun and the moon into their or into their orbits. Were you there? And then he actually, then he moves through the animals. He's like, have you ever thought about how ostriches lay eggs? <laughs> have you ever thought about how the plants grow? Have you, and he give, and he shows him all the wondrous works almost to like zoom him out a little bit and see like, I know in pain and hardship, you kind of get really into just your own life and your own problems. But what I need you to see is Look at everything I am doing and every moving part that's happening in this universe. I have not forgotten about you. Well, and I love that he's almost saying, this is my capacity. Right. This is what I can orchestrate. This is what is in my hands right now. So nothing you are dealing with is bigger than what I am capable of overcoming. It it just isn't. Remember that. About me. And and then, and like you said, Job has like learned this lesson. Sometimes pain and suffering cause us to forget the lessons that we know. And it's fun to watch his responses through the whole book because, like, you see in those moments of clarity where he's just like, he has moments of like, "Ah, I wish I was never born. This is like the worst life. Maybe God does hate me. Maybe. And then he's just like, ah, no, I know this. And we just wanted to highlight a couple of those because they're so sweet. Where, where the book actually doesn't give all the answers to why do bad things happen in this world. It, it's too complicated to get to that. But there are things that we can say we do know. There are problems where I don't know why this and this happened. I don't. But I do know this. And a couple of those that he says, 19, 25 through 27, he says, um, I do know that my Redeemer liveth. Um that's so powerful mm. to that it's a this is a present progressive term right that he's like he lives which means he's living and moving in my life he's not absent in it um and i know that he'll stand at the latter end on this earth and that um whatever happens here in the end i i will see him 
Like he will make himself known. That I do know about him. In chapter 23, um, in verses 10 to 12, he says, here's another thing I know. I know um, that when he tries me, that I will come forth as gold. Mm. I know I that his intentions for me are to turn me into something better. Um, I should have written these in order. It would have been a little bit easier. But back in chapter 13, <laughs> he says this, and though he slay me, um, and remember, that's a poetic way of saying, though mortality slay me. It's attributing things to God that are actually yeah, though he mortality. Allows yeah, though he allows me mortality to, to do that. Yet will I trust him and I will maintain my ways before him. He also shall be my salvation. He may have allowed that, but his real role is to redeem me from that pit, to bring me back to light, to be that salvation. And then in 31, um, chapter chapter 31, verse six, it says, and let me be weighed even in an even balance. I love that part yeah. too. That God may know mine integrity. And what he says, one of the things I know is that God knows who I really am. And, and God knows that I'm trying. And God knows that sometimes when you're on day 104 of, of sickness, that you will accuse him and cry out in, in things. And, and that pain causes us to question and that pain causes us to doubt. And, and, but he says, but he knows that I'm, even though I do that and I keep waffling, that I'm trying. And, and, and he knows what the intentions of, of my heart actually mm. Are. That's so good. And we love that then you, well, let's talk about this little box on the journal because oh, yeah. it's so fun for just to pause right now and think in your own story, what do you know about Jesus Christ right now? What do you know? What do you know about the Father right now? What would you write down that you know that you would hold on to no matter what mortality brings? What are the things you actually just no. And even if you can't answer some of the questions, why did God pre seemingly prevent that in my next door neighbor's house and not prevent it in mine? Why did a miracle happen in my cousin's family and not in my own particular? I might not have the answers to that, but it's so powerful to then sit with like, oh, but here are the things I do have the answers mm. for and I, and I do know. Yep, that's so good. And then you get to 42, the last chapter. Um, and, and it's even better if you understand what's happened in the 41 chapters before. Um, I love this from verse 2 and the end of verse 3. He says, this is what Job says. I know that thou canst do everything, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. I just love that he's like, your will for me is, is better than like I even imagined it was. Now that I've been through this whole thing, I realize uh, that you are for me. And I love that he says this, I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye sees you. Mm. And I think that sometimes that's what trials do for us, that in it is in the hardest part. It's in the parts where we are stretched. It's in the parts that we think we might not make it through this or get out of this, or where is God in this? When we finally humble ourselves enough to see him there in that moment, like me, um, in those we've talked about before, in those months when I was pregnant with Grace, I don't ever want to do those six months of my life again. I don't ever want to be mentally where I was for those six months again. I don't want to live through 
what those six months were ever for the rest of my life. But I would not give them up because it's when I learned to see him the best. And I love that Job says that. I've heard of you. I read scriptures about you, but for some reason in this hard thing, I saw you. Yeah. And that's what I want to remember. And I love and that. And it's cool that it moves from what I see on paper and what I hear from a pulpit to now what I, what what I know I and what I see. my own yeah. self. And then you love in verse 10 when it says... Um, and the, Lord, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before in verse 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. And then I love in verse 17. So Job died being old and full. Yeah. That is what I love. <laughs> and, and that is where I see that, like, that eternal perspective there. Because that is, if we can make it through mortality, if we can make it through 41 chapters. I love that he's like, this is what I promise you at the end that you'll look back and you'll say, oh wait, I wish I would have remembered your will for me was good the whole time. Yeah. That I, it is actually through mortality that I learned to see you and that there will be a point when it is all over, when our latter end will be blessed more than our beginning. We, we will grow. We will increase. We will progress. We will get to that point at the very end in, in verse 17 where we will die. We will leave mortality. And I love that we will be full yeah. because of what we have learned from um, this process. You just said we'll get through 41 chapters of life. And I just want you to know I'm 41. So oh, you just prophesied my death on this episode is what I want you to know. But we picked as our very last hero, the 44th hero of the whole summer of heroes is, is Jesus. It's the Lord. And particularly that line that it says, keep in mind, it says that the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more. Because you could get to four, chapter 42 and fall back into the same trap of chapter one. In chapter one, you said, oh, it must be because I'm bad that these bad things are happening. And you're tempted in 42 to say, it must be because I'm good. I passed the test and now all the good things are coming. And it's like, no, 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 no. The Lord blessed Job's life. Like the only reason Job was a hero is because he invited the Lord into his story. The only reason Esther was a hero is she invited the Lord into her story. The only David could David didn't kill Goliath. The only reason David was a hero is because he invited the Lord into the story. And all summer long, we've been learning lessons from each of these people. But the prevailing lesson over every single one of the heroes is the reason that they were mighty men and women of valor is because they brought God. They brought the Lord into their story and he fought their battles and he encouraged them and he lifted them up and he gave them grace and strength and, and power to, to overcome. And so it just is fitting for that phrase to be the end of the, the, the summer of heroes to just remember it is um, the Lord who blessed and strengthened all throughout all this 44. story, all 44 yep. and the 44 to come my additional 44 years to come. <laughs> my, can I have 44 yeah, yeah, so you okay, get 44 you. more also. Okay, y'all. Um, <laughs> hopefully that sad book was still super <laughs> meaningful and good. And, yeah, so and good. Uh, we'll see you next week. 
This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.